Hello and welcome to the demographic cast. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> because you, we went straight into joking around to you jumping, jumping into the podcast. So I, I, was, I wasn't ready. I was, we were talking about how Sorry. loud my voice was. It's fine. I mean, we could just go from here. Um, I didn't realise that you know you weren't professional in that sense um, that you can't quickly we, switch I, it on. How many episodes have we done? And you still haven't realised that. <laughs> Am I just going from here then, yeah, or, yeah, or just, should I redo? It's, it's, right, yeah. it's a different kind of episode anyway. It is a different kind of episode. Yeah, today I'm just joined by Jack Street. Hello. That's it. Hello. <laughs> We're trying out something new today. Yeah. Uh, we're just really going to talk about a couple of topics um, that have been circulating within the news at the moment. And um, if my voice sounds better, it's because I'm using my professional microphone again. And Jack was saying it, it sounds really deep and smooth. <laughs> really deep and smooth. It's going to be the start of your ASMR career, I believe. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably how I should go. Yeah, yeah I think so I'm going to fuck off demographic. <laughs> and go and be uh, an, ASM one of the, an ASM artist. Yeah, yeah there we I go. Like I like it. I'll support you, mate. Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the first thing we're talking about this week is the uh, vaccines, um, and particularly how there's it's starting to become more apparent uh, that richer countries are hoarding vaccines and that poorer countries aren't really getting access to them. Um, it's particularly become apparent recently when uh, with in India where... Uh, I mean, the scenes coming out of India, we've, we've said, are pretty um, horrific and look almost like something out of a, an apocalypse film or something. Um, they are daily, they are beating the world record number in new cases. And they've got to a point where hospitals can't accept new patients because they don't have uh, the equipment or the staff to, to handle it. Um, and there are pictures coming out of India of them having to burn bodies in like junkyards and stuff yeah. because their crematoriums are really uh, over capacity. The it footage, is. Yeah. What we, I mean, we were watching it yesterday, weren't we? And the, the footage yeah. coming out of it is like something out of a film. It's, it's really scary. At this point in the pandemic as well, when we're lucky enough to be sat here talking about being able to open up and, and see your friends and go to the to the pub or mm -hmm. out for a meal and stuff, it's it brings home the fact that we're, we're really you know as horrific as the pandemic here has been with we are now fortunate to be out of the other end and, and live in a country where we have the technology that we do yeah yeah exactly um it's uh, we I, I know that some countries have been sending aid to india particularly the uk has mm -hmm. as well um it's one of those countries um but but yeah you were saying earlier that you know the the India's in a situation now that it can only really get out of if it has a good vaccination program. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think, like, to come back to what you were saying beforehand, with you know, it's now becoming clear that countries in the in Europe or in the sort of Western, more developed countries have kind of hoarded vaccines or oversupplied themselves or had problems with regulating certain vaccines. I don't necessarily. I, I think that you, you, an argument could be made that these are all former colonial countries and it shows you still where the power um, and influence is around the world however i i'm not going to sit here and blame us for doing that necessarily i'm not going to sit here and blame sure. us for like trying to vaccinate our population or sorting ourselves out before we try to sort the rest of the world out what i think it shows is is two things first of all the lack of preparedness for you know pandemics in general and for these vaccination programs there isn't any kind of coordinated global effort to ensure that individuals around the world have access to, to vaccines 
a vaccine is the best route out of the, the pandemic that's been obvious in Israel. It's becoming more increasingly obvious here. Um, but I also, sorry if you can hear my dogs barking downstairs, I, I also think that um, it shows that uh, there's clear issues with how we regulate the these um, these these vaccines and the materials involved in these vaccines inside our own countries. So if you take the EU for, or, or the US, for example, f masses of the AstraZeneca vaccine was stockpiled, was bought up, and then they would just decided not to use those vaccines anymore for, for reasons that were completely unfounded, like the blood clots reasons. Um, the US have, have yeah. said almost categorically that they're not going to use the AstraZeneca vaccine anymore. They've got, I think, 100 million doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine. I believe today they've decided that they're going to ship those um, or provide at least provide resources, um, the, the raw material resources for, for India to be able to develop the vaccine because they have a, a fairly... Um, a fairly well-developed um, medical industry, a pharmaceutical industry over, over in India, but they just don't have the raw materials because the US embargoed those raw materials to ensure that they had enough for vaccines to be able to develop and give to their own populations. Um, but the US sorted itself out in terms of vaccines months ago, so why why has that embargo not been lifted sooner? That has directly caused, you know, this, this the Biden administration has directly caused this issue in India to be, uh, to be prolonged and to be made worse because they weren't allowed to, to get access to those raw materials. And when you look at who's behind these decisions, it's the it's big farmers, pharmaceutical, com pharmaceutical companies, pharmaceutical lobbyists who are ensuring that this, these um, materials stay privatised and that the patents on the IP, um, the waiver, the IP waivers aren't released because uh, of, for all sorts of different reasons. But first of all, these pharmaceutical companies want to make even more money off the pandemic than they've already used, they've already made. But one of the arguments that I heard was that um, one one of the most prominent pharmaceutical lobbyists was saying we can't release the this mRNA waiver IP waiver for other countries to develop because if China or Russia get hold of it they might cure cancer. That was genuinely one of the arguments that they made. God forbid that people in China or Russia figure out how to cure cancer and people stop dying of cancer. God forbid that the US aren't the ones that are able. Our US pharmaceutical companies aren't the ones who are able to make money off of it first. You know, it's it beggars belief the arguments that some of these people make or the lengths that they'll go to ensure that they can make billions upon billions upon billions and stockpile this money, stockpile these resources that is that are directly causing other people to die. I don't know how you can look at what's going on in India at the moment and not think we need to do everything we can to help those people. And it's good that the that, that the UK has decided to to send resources. Um, and hopefully it gets figured out as soon as possible. But I just think, like with like so many things in the pandemic, it's, it's epitomised that there is a very, very large, a very small um, minority of, of incredibly powerful people that have large controls mm -hmm. over um, these resources and what goes on, and, it, and that directly impacts other people to the point where it, it, it means that more people than necessary. It's all well and good to send stuff, you know, once this, once India's reached this kind of critical point, but um, if there are other countries in the world that are also suffering with rises in cases. In fact, you know, most of Europe is at the moment, I believe. Yeah. But uh, you know, who knows what's happening in Africa right now? Yeah. Just or, or in you know, in the various countries in Africa or in South America or in you know, poorer, less developed countries. That Brazil, we, Brazil's a good yeah, example. Yeah, that we don't hear. Brazil has its own issues with sure. their leader, though. <laughs> but um, the it's just we don't hear about what happens in these countries necessarily until it gets to this kind of breaking point mm. situation um, where 
thousands of people are dying every day and uh, bodies are being burned in the streets. So there, there should have been from the beginning and there should be going forward a worldwide agreement or uh, union to to tackle this, this these kind of issues in the future and make sure that people aren't left behind because it it's so difficult obviously to 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 visualize what's going on in in India when you see the statistics you know when people are talking about you know three hundred thousand new cases every day it, it's difficult to to visualize that um, and to to have it properly or, or to to empathize with the people over there despite us having gone through you know a pretty rough time over the last year so it we need to figure out we need to have some kind of thing in place already to to prevent these kind of things from uh, from yeah. spiraling out of control in the way that they have um and and f to prevent each country from being so selfish in in how it deals with with these issues i think like a few months ago we were already sort of kind of concerned that I know I remember sort of starting to think it's great that we're rolling out the vaccine, but you know, for starters, the pandemic is not going to be over until the entire world has access to vaccines. So, but yeah, if we're the only ones, you know, producing the vaccines and using them and we're not necessarily shipping them elsewhere, then you know, where's it, it leave us? Not... Where does it leave us, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I think that there's there's sort of wider implications on travel, on on trade, um, that come from from globally not having a, a strategy to deal with the, mm. the, the virus to deal with the pandemic. Like you say, this isn't over until as many people as possible around the world are, are vaccinated. So it might be it might be over for us. We might be able to go and enjoy our summer, but you know we have to remember that lots of other people around the country, around the world aren't going to have that those opportunities and those abilities and people are going to continue to die and, and the pandemic in many ways probably hasn't even necessarily hit a lot of these places as hard as it will because we're going to get new new variants we're going to get variants that um that places don't have that the, the vaccine doesn't work so say you you vaccinate people in india if there's a new variant and the vaccine is, isn't developed enough they don't have the resources financially to do another lockdown they, they had an incredibly strict three-week lockdown they shut down tr all transport they shut down all industry everything was done and they were like we're going to deal with this straight away then they opened up fully again without with with not really any social distancing rules and look where it's look look where it's got them now you know it's that that is poor governance that is poor policy um yeah. but we have the luckily we have the financial ability you know not that it's not going to mass majorly impact us but we have the financial ability to do three lockdowns you know for months on end a lot a lot of countries around the world don't have that ability so uh, like you say it, it's it's incredibly worrying it, it's it's worrying that we don't have the the infrastructure in place globally to be able to help these countries and and and, and help support these countries deal with um this stuff and that has to be one of the main things that comes out of the pandemic in my opinion is a, a more a far more internationally coordinated response to these kinds of crises because we saw it with spanish flu i mean india was decimated by by the spanish flu mm. um yeah you know and and uh, because of, of of the infrastructure over there because of a lot of living conditions over there unfortunately um it's going to hit these countries harder and you mentioned africa i don't even know how hard lots of countries in africa have been hit or, no, or the extent that the, the, the virus has, has impacted over there and a lot of countries haven't even administered their first dose of the, of the vaccine yet um so you know it's it's there's a long way to go there's a long way to go internationally and i think that now is the time to start moving towards that kind of 
coordinated response. Yeah, I agree. It's um, it also, I'm thinking from a perspective of, uh, you know, from our perspective being here in the UK and having access to the vaccine, mm. anybody who doesn't um, get it, yeah, I think is kind of, I don't want to be too strong on it, but is it, you're uh, acknowledging, you're refusing a privilege that a bunch of people around the world don't have, that probably more than half of the population of the world, if not more, have, yeah. don't have. Um, and I, you know, I would highly uh, urge people to, to get it once they are called to, to get it, because um, it helps the entire world at that point, doesn't it, really? It's, uh, and you're, you're you're, uh, you've got access to something that so many people don't have access to. And so to refuse to, to, to take it is probably, I, I don't think it's very wise. But that's the same and, on so many levels though, mate, isn't it? We, we have access to education, even though it's not the greatest level of education yeah. that so many people don't have. We have access to healthcare that so many sure. other people around the world don't, don't have. And we take all that stuff for granted. So why would we, we take the vaccine yeah. for granted? And it's a privilege on top of a privilege. You know, we're, we're privileged to have a vaccine mm. that's been developed by the, some of the greatest scientists in the world in this country. And with the rollout's been fantastic. NHS have done an incredible job to roll it out. Yeah. But also... We have a privilege that you can turn down your access to that vaccine and the like you, yeah. you'll have a far less chance of dying than you do if you turn down the vaccine in another country you know you you can turn down your access your ability to access education and you've got far more chance of, of being able to have some kind of life like you know successful yeah. life if you turn down that, that education um mm -hmm. not to say that things aren't difficult in this country but you have to you have to look at where you are along the line right along if you're looking at 100 yeah. meters what point you're starting from um and sure. unfortunately there are you know there are lots of, of people around the world and I, of course take the fucking vaccine right like it's not even it's, it's yeah. you know it, of course we all have a choice but take the vaccine obviously um but yeah. you, you know it's it just shows you where we are you know it's we are very privileged to even be able to have this discussion when i was watching a piece on the bbc news about brazil and of course they have issues with with Bolsonaro and and the governance that, that they have over there with just straight up denialism, you know, whether it be vaccine denialism <laughs> or COVID denialism, um, yeah, climate change denialism, yeah, whatever it may be, you yeah. you you have to listen to the, those individuals that are being impacted. And I was listen, listening to um, two parents whose son passed away talk, and he had, was organising a party. You know, he didn't believe any of the COVID stuff. There was so much misinformation. And pretty much everybody that went to that party died. And he couldn't even access a hospital bed. You know, Jesus. It's, it's horrific. It's really horrific. Yeah. You know, we're no, by no means out the other side. We might be in this country, but um, people in the US are going to be able to go on holiday if you've had the vaccine abroad. So you can, you'd be able really? to go to Europe if you've had the vaccine. When loads of people Anywhere in Europe? Or are they, have they I, got, I don't think they've got... I, I think countries can like say we don't want people in the US because right. they, have, they have authority. But I don't think the US have... have banned travel to, to anywhere i might be wrong but last i heard i was just like at the weekend so recording this on tuesday so right recording this on tuesday yeah. um and at the weekend when i heard yeah they uh they they were allowing travel to, to foreign countries if you had the vaccine mm -hmm. so yeah i mean i yeah i don't know how i i would feel about that because i think that's a bit uh, for starters the us is so huge and there's so many cool places to go in the us just you know stay at home yeah yeah stay in your own country go and visit some of these places i mean i think a lot of um americans do that anyway yeah. because 
like I said, there is so big and there's so much to see, but it's the same over yeah, here, though. I think it's the same over here. There's the risk to reward of being able to go on holiday for a year or stay at home and not bring any foreign variants into the like really dangerous foreign variants into the country. Like the 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 risk to reward is so small, or, or yeah. you know the risk is huge and the reward is so little. You know you can just go on holiday <laughs> next year. Um, yeah, stay yeah. stay in this country and go on holiday here. You know it's there's there are amazing places to see in this country like there are in the US. Explore yeah. the local areas. You know go to Wales or or Scotland or whatever but yeah let's let's be as safe as we possibly can be because that could screw the whole the whole process you know it's not like hyperbolic to say that if, if yeah. there is a variant that enters the country the vaccine doesn't work on it and we start seeing vulnerable people dying that have had the vaccine we're going to have to go back to to revert back to where we were three months ago two months ago and, and the, the, yeah. it, we can't take another one of those I, I really don't think so i mean we'll get into some of the stuff that boris johnson has said in a second i guess but i mean i don't even know mm. if the government would be pushed to, to be doing that um no to, to have another lockdown so no at the end of the day not going abroad will probably uh will make mean not going abroad now will mean that you can we're more likely to all be able to go abroad sooner later yeah 100%. So it's a case of waiting yeah. you know patience yeah let's move on to the uh to the boris uh government stuff that's been happening over the last few days it's a very Slash doom and gloom po podcast today it is actually we were saying earlier in the week and it's, it's so difficult uh, i think i tweeted um it might even have been yesterday that there's you look at the news and there's everything you, you look at is either corruption you know masses of people dying from the pandemic things getting worse abroad possible mm -hmm. conflicts you know it's so difficult to pick what you talk about and to focus on topics because everything is so heavy you know, there's yeah. an, it's it's great. You can talk about you know optimism coming out and the fact the fact that we're we're on course for the largest bounce in in the economy for ages because the, the country's been locked down for so long. Con consumer confidence is, is is so high. That's all great. Mm -hmm. You know, we're really looking forward to that. But for every one yeah. of those stories, there's four other stories like the the corruption in government that that takes it that takes the conversation down a notch and has yeah. you know, negative connotations. Mm -hmm. This is in part why we've uh, why the, I think the quick fire questions thing that we do at the end of the podcast normally um, is is a good idea because it's just to lighten the mood a little bit. Yeah. When we always touch these su such like so heavy uh, these heavy topics that uh, are really depressing or very um, just you have to sometimes you have to be in a specific mood to to, to deal with them or to to, to even think about them and. Uh, yeah, it's nice to have something, I suppose, that lightens up the mood a little sure. bit. But yeah. none of that today, though. <laughs> no, none of that today. No, today we're we're down the the depressing roads. We're yeah. all we're talking about are heavy topics. So the Boris Johnson um, stuff. I think was it last week we spoke about the Green Seal stuff. Did we talk about it or did we no, not? We didn't have time. I think we did. We were going to, but we, yeah, we didn't have enough time. So uh, there was a whole scandal around. Uh, David Cameron being uh, an employer for a, a company called, an employee for a company called Greensill. Um, and he used his connections in uh, government to um, lobby for uh, access to a, a coronavirus loan that the um, Treasury were putting out at the beginning of last year. And then subsequently that uh, company that he worked for has gone bust or or. Yeah. What was the word I think they used? Something like dismantled or something. Um, and then it, it, since then, it's come. Uh, people are calling for an inquiry into David Cameron's, you know, uh, ability to to do that, to to lobby ministers to send money 
um, his way or the way of his um, the company that he works for. Um, since then, it's come out that there was someone else in in uh, not in government. It wasn't a minister, but it was like a civil servant that worked for the government as well as working for this this company, the same company. And then since then, there's been a bunch of uh, other things coming out about sort of uh, supposed corruption and um, stuff like recently Boris Johnson is being is being um, sort of questioned about how he's getting the money to pay for refurbishments in his uh, flat above number 11 Downing Street because it was uh, he was accused of, of using Tory party donations, I think, to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds dodgy to me, but uh, you, uh, what are the rules against that? Do you know? I don't against think, having I, party donations. I don't, I don't think, uh, I'm not 100% sure on the legislation, but I don't think you can use no. party, you, you can use donations to your party to benefit you personally. I think that that's the, the issue. Right. And you certainly shouldn't right. be able to, you know, it's like, we'll donate to your yeah. party, you know, a private vested interest will donate to, to you specifically to sure. upgrade the flat above number 11 or to, you know upgrade like, as a video game yeah. but to refurbish the the uh flat above above number 11 you know we've done you a cheeky favor why don't you do us a cheeky favor um yeah. so i mean that's the issue there it's it's taking money sure. from private donors that's going to benefit you personally uh yeah and the other is... go ahead sorry I was just going to say the I'm, I'm trying to think of all the things that happened so, there's, the so there's so many there's so many yeah i, yeah. I for a second, I forgot about the Dyson texts yeah. um, that were so the, uh, another sort of scandal at the beginning of last week, where um, it came out that Johnson had received a bunch of texts from Robert Dyson mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, asking him to sort of exempt him from taxes so that they could uh, create uh, ventilators. What, yeah. Ventilators, ventilators, yeah, um, and. So obviously there were a bunch of questions for Johnson about that because uh, this billionaire um, has the the private you know phone number of Boris Johnson and can just text him whenever he needs a favour. Sounds a bit dodgy. Um, Obviously a lot of people defended him, saying that it was you know he was doing what he needed to do, and Johnson himself defended himself as saying he was he was doing what anybody else would have done, speaking to a billionaire about getting ventilators. Um, But it's it's, yeah. it's 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 nonsense. It's nonsense. It's not yes. about whether he's doing what everybody else should have done. And we were having this conversation, um, I think yesterday. I was saying that it, look, it doesn't. It's not about whether anybody else would have done what Johnson has done in his position. It's not about whether we've got this norm as to ministers breaking code every week where they, there's no repercussions for them. We have to have a standard that our elected elected officials have to meet, particularly the prime minister. You know I've got this thing about leadership and people at the yeah. top of the chain taking responsibility. You don't get any higher than the Prime Minister. The buck stops there. If he is breaking ministerial code this regularly, if he is taking finance from you know from from companies and, and, and there is clear corruption, if, if contracts for PPE are being handed out to um, to companies because they're Matt Hancock's best mate or his neighbour or his landlord or his, you know, dog walker or whatever, that needs that that needs to be dealt with and that needs to be cracked down upon. It doesn't matter who replaces him. It's like, well, let's not crack down on Johnson because there's no one better to replace him. It's it, that doesn't matter. You have to take responsibility, and, and, and yeah. as the prime minister of this country, 
if you are that deep in corruption, you shouldn't be able to hold on to that position anymore. I genuinely believe that. I think that years years ago, before this new trend for world leaders came in, where they can do what they want and, and face no repercussions for it because they're bigger than the rest of us, they, he would have been gone. I think if this was yep. a Labour government, if this was a Labour government, we'd be holding the politicians to a higher standard than we hold the Tories. Um, I was just, sorry, looking for this, this tweet that Harry Cole, who's the, the Sun's political editor, put out, and uh, he was making a smarmy comment about Labour calling for inquiries, but I think it's actually quite indicative of the times that we live in. 11 topics the Labour Party have called for a government-led inquiry or an independent inquiry on. COVID response, rape culture, PPE, breakaway football plans, the number 11 flat, Dyson Techs, supply chain finance, lobbying, community refu- renewal funds, the OFS chair, and the post office scandal. And he goes on to say, this is all 2013, you know. Um, well, perhaps it's the government who are knee-deep in corruption and the opposition are right to be calling for there to be inquiries into the fact that there's this much corruption in government, not the fact that the Labour Party are these lefty snowflakes and they're just getting offended at all this stuff that's happening like is that the standard that we've really that we're really setting now that the government can do whatever they want and the people calling out the government for doing whatever they want are the ones who have who we criticize that's that's the way we change the focus you know there is i i I just i can't see that that this is this is a survivable position for our democracy to be in you know there is so much entrenched um entrenched you know institutional corruption going on and so so little holding uh these these politicians to account that i I genuinely don't see how what our what our country looks like in the long-term future um Mm -hmm. if there isn't some kind of uh you know accountability um, Mm -hmm. they've set a precedent i think by by not by not being accountable, at least in other governments in the past, if a minister made a mistake or broke the ministerial code, code they would either be fired or resign. We haven't seen what well, I think Sajid Javid was the only minister that's resigned so far in this government, right? Pretty Patel broke the ministerial code for the second time, not what, the, within she, well, she the broke same it. She broke it before, lost her yeah. job, got hired to a higher post, broke it again in this post, and didn't get removed from office. And yep. that tells you everything you need to know. So, mm-hmm. you know, it comes back to this the whole chatty rat scandal that's going on in number 10 at the moment where you've got Dominic Cummings threatening to leak stuff every five minutes and, and Boris Johnson, who allegedly said, let the bodies pile up, I'm not going to do another lockdown. You know, we didn't even mention that necessarily. You've got oh, all yeah. of these comments that in any other world or in any other functioning democracy, you'd say, we can't have our leader saying stuff like that, like willingly wanting mm-hmm. people to die because he doesn't want to do another lockdown. Um you have yeah, all, just all deny, of, it and move on. deny it and move on but also you have this ring of people around him who can say and do what they want because everyone's got shit on each other so if if mm-hmm. if, if, if you say to uh, dominic cummins after buying a castle i'm not going to allow you to get away with that he could turn around and say we're all in the same plague pit we're all we're all we've all got blood on our hands we've all we're all we're all dirty you 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 mm-hmm. shaft me i'll shaft you twice as hard you know i've got voice clips yeah. of you you know i've got texts of you that i'll leak and any one of those mm-hmm. can turn around and say it. So it's it's this crazy yeah. circle that we've got of people not being held to account because they're so scared that the same will happen to them, and therefore everyone's corrupt, mm-hmm. and, and anyone can just get away yeah. with anything, you know. And you have to laugh at, at how comical it is. You you could not make it up, but yeah. because otherwise, it it leaves incredibly stark questions about the effectiveness of the political system that we have. 
um, whether it be the opposition or whether it be in the government or whether it be in the civil service, whatever, whether it be in the media, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, you know, that, that we need to start having serious conversations about the direction of this country and, and politics in yeah. this country. We do, because like I said, they're setting a precedent. Anybody who's, who's defending, who defended Priti Patel for not being, for not resigning or being fired when she broke ministerial code, for not, for defending Boris Johnson now for saying this kind of stuff, that they're setting a precedent for future governments. If a Labour government gets in and somebody in that government breaks the ministerial code, why would they resign yeah. now after this has happened? There is, there won't be accountability in the future if this start continues to okay. to be let slip through the the nets. So anybody that's in that's defending this government now for these kind of things needs to bear in mind that in the future, if they're if they if we've got a, a different government in power that they don't necessarily agree with, there's no reason that they should be uh, held accountable either. No, no, um, which it's not democracy. No, it's not. It's not democracy at all. If you look at this front bench, even the Conservative Party don't like this front bench. There are a lot of people yeah. in the Conservative Party that are deeply unhappy with the way that their party is yeah. being run because of the amount of corruption that's that's in there. But at some point, we as either an electorate or or a, 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 the the kind of balances of power in this country have to say we're not going to we're not going to you know allow this any longer the problem is we only know about it if it gets reported and the main the most consumed media outlets in the country people could argue are wrapped up in this because they're not reporting about it properly either the bbc Mm -hmm. you know they release this headline that's fairly hard hitting and then 10 minutes later they're changing what was said they're changing the narrative you know or they're Mm -hmm. not reporting about it or they're talking about you know the, the a member of the royal family just ate a piece of cake and how delicious it was you know, stories that really don't matter they're the stories that are being pushed not these incredibly important domestic stories and then even internationally you look at like how much is going on internationally whether it be ccp persecuting the Uyghur people or organ harvesting or hong kong or myanmar, myanmar. like what wh- all of these re- really important foreign policy stories russia no no exactly neither you have to really dig it out you have to be interested and if you're the way of consuming your media is that you go on bbc news or you tune into the headlines at at six o'clock in the morning or at eight or at ten o'clock at night you're not going to be fed these really important stories you can't blame the electorate for that it's the media's responsibility to cover the this stuff properly and they're not they're not doing it so again there's every single when we look at the way our democracy is formed from the top down and from you know these pillars of democracy that are meant to be holding uh the government to account whether it be the lords or whether it be the the media and journalists they aren't functioning correctly no and there obviously are are major um exceptions to the rule there are fantastic outlets like you know i think we do a decent job but the byline times um you know who have done incredible reporting on on the the sort of corruption and and particularly the, the ppe um contract proliferation the, the contract uh, scandals um or you you have you know incredible individual journalists at the bbc um or at channel 4 doing uh, stories on other crises around the world you, you always have exceptions to this rule but as as institutions they're not doing a good enough job um, no so it, it's... i remember people saying last this time last year sort of crying and, and shouting about that sort of slipped away from democracy and towards uh, whatever you want to call it, more authoritarian um, rule or whatever. And I was skeptical. I was, uh, you know, it was uh, Johnson and his lot had only just got into power and I I wasn't uh, necessarily 
ready to to to, to agree or to say uh, that out loud. But it's so so hard to ignore what's happened over the last year and to to see these people in power get away with things over and over again. But Gavin Williamson is still education secretary. I don't know if anybody you know realizes or. How is he still and, educated? And he's secretary? currently fucking up the um, exam and, and grade process again. for this. Yeah, again. Again. Not learning yeah. anything from last year. It's like we've completely forgotten. You know, mm -hmm. no accountability. We're not even talking about yep. it because there's so many other scandals. It's just, yeah. it's, it's the Trumpian thing of just deflect and direct away to other stuff or do more corrupt stuff to take the focus off of last week's stuff. You know, and then you, you're never held accountable because the media cycle can't. It's at such this this crazy point where we can't focus on one story for long enough to be able to talk about holding that person to account. You're on to the next thing, on to the next thing, on to the next thing, and and that's yeah. that's 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 the issue, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like you say, there's so many, there's there's so many. <laughs> um, Chris Grayling, another one, has fucked up consistently for the last three years, and he's still in ministerial posts. Mm -hmm. you know, the only good thing that I can possibly think, and I keep saying this to people, is that if you look at the people who are running the country at the moment and how the, the shocking job that they're doing and how how poorly they manage to work on such a consistent basis, if you have a, an ounce of competency, you can do anything you put your mind to. Absolutely yeah. anything. Use it as a motivator, you know, because if these people can hold yeah. jobs... And oh, you yeah. work, work hard, work hard and be competent, have a bit of common sense, you can get anywhere in life. You know, mm -hmm. that's really they may the be responsible. They may be responsible for hundreds of thousands of deaths or, you know, uh high unemployment rates, you know, the but and corruption. But at the end of the day, that is a great motivator to just <laughs> to, to for people to, you know, just just look at who's in power and think, you know, why is my why are my dreams um, you know, not attainable yeah, yeah, precisely. In power yeah or if these media outlets are, are doing what they are you know there's no reason for you not to be able to do whatever it is you want to do yeah um when you look at these people <laughs> um let's let's uh, we were supposed to try and stick to half an hour but i think we've already gone over so let's uh quickly that we only wanted to promote what was what's what we're doing next week didn't we yeah so to end with you want to do that since absolutely you, you're planning it mostly. yeah yeah um, i mean alongside our friends at yet again uk who you know we can't uh speak highly enough of you know just value the work that they do so much and they've got they've got an incredible organization over there um so go and check them out first of all yet again uk.com i think is their uh their website and go follow their socials at yet again uk um we are planning next week and we are we are not planning we are we are hosting a press freedom festival we've teased a little bit of information out um it's going to be a week of celebrating and championing press freedom not only domestically but around the world we've got uh, four different events uh, with fantastic uh, speakers on. We're going to be opening up the floor to questions, so the tickets are going to be released for those soon. Get your tickets, come and ask them questions. We're going to be talking about the the need and the importance of uh, a free press. We're going to be talking about um, the way that social media has changed um, press freedom, about misinformation. We're going to be looking at direct case studies from around the world, focusing in on these really important issues, whether it be Hong Kong or whether it be Myanmar, um, or you know, or, or a plethora of other um, case studies around the world. We're going to be championing individual journalists that have been persecuted or that have shown courage and told powerful stories. Um, we're going to have podcasts. We're going to have articles. It's going to be an amazing week, celebrating and championing press freedom. So please get involved. 
Um, you can find all the details on our social media channels. We're going to be promoting it. Um, you know, this is going up on Friday. We'll be promoting it throughout the weekend and through the week. So get involved, have your say, come and join us and, and celebrate and, and, and communicate with us why you, you cherish a free press so much. And, um, you know, I think that it's more important than ever that we talk about ways that we can nurture press freedom, that we can support journalists that are doing work on the ground up and um, ensure that it's something that we, we, we talk about the value of and, and that we, we ensure that we, we protect because it is under threat. It's not only under threat in this country, but around the world. So it's as important um, now than ever that we, that we champion it. So that was it really, get involved, get involved. Yeah, it's gonna be great. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it will be awesome. I didn't really participate in any <laughs> of the programming or whatever, but I'm looking forward to seeing what, uh, what you guys have got in store. Cool. Should we call it there? Yeah, yeah. Cheers, mate. No, a bit of a different Thank format, you but for watching, guys. Yeah. Yeah, as Thank always. You for watching. And if you wanna, if you wanna, Will. if you wanna be a guest, hit us up. <laughs> <laughs> if you wanna sit and yeah, chat exactly. shit with me and Brett for half an hour, then yeah. We do have a podcast coming out next week that is related to the Press Freedom Week, so yeah, look out for that. And obviously, we've got more in, coming in the future. So uh, yeah, Speak to you soon. we'll see you, uh, see you next week. Cheers, Brett. Bye.